Hello, everyone. Today on the podcast, Karen and I are going to be talking about all about reviewing, why it's important, where you find reviews, all of the interesting things about reviews and, and what they mean for a small publisher like us. I'm Katie. And I'm Karen. And this is Owl's Nest, the podcast, where we talk about all things books, publishing, and writing for the adolescent imagination. Come in and listen. So as Katie said, book reviews matter. They matter whether you are an author with a big five traditional publishing house, a big New York publishing house, or whether you are independent author completely on your own. Book reviews matter and they matter a lot. Probably seen, if you've been around on the internet for any stretch of time, you've probably seen authors out there asking their readers to write Amazon reviews, to write Goodreads reviews, uh, and new to the scene, we, there is Storygraph, and that's another good place to leave reviews. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've even been annoyed by the fact that authors are always out there asking for reviews. I know that I've been one of those authors who's been out there asking for reviews. I've even seen, someone shared around a short story Gosh, it feels like it was just last year, but it was probably in before times, you know. Uh, it was probably mm-hmm. like five years ago now where someone wrote a short story where she poked fun at herself. She was an author. She poked fun at herself. And she wrote the short story from the perspective of if she was not an author and she was just a corporate employee out in the world begging people to, you know, the general public to review her work, review her work <laughs> so that she could, I don't, I don't know, just feel good about it. I read that short story and I remember thinking that she had kind of missed the point though. Yeah. And of course, she was a traditionally published author with a big publisher and... That surprises me. Surely she really knew deep down the importance of Well, and, and, and again, I think because she was traditionally published, she, she was coming at it from a position of privilege mm-hmm. that less, less privileged, to repeat the word, less privileged authors have in that she had some power and more money and things like that going into the game. And that being an author is not like any other profession unless, except for perhaps being a singer-songwriter or Mm. an artist um, or even an actor, is that what authors produce we are always putting before a jury of the public. Mm -hmm. We don't have another way to have our work reviewed. Yeah. Our our work is, sorry, our work is reviewed in public, I guess is is what I'm saying. And what people say about it publicly is is almost always public. It's it's almost never behind closed doors. So if you're working in a corporate environment, you get to write your, you get to do your work uh, privately. Uh, yeah. And of course, I'm speaking in generalizations, but generally speaking, you do your, do your work privately, you get to turn in your Well, reports. and even your, your like performance reviews, performance, performance reviews evaluations are, are right. done privately with your supervisor and that's it. Right. You make it, and you make a salary. Mm-hmm. Again, in most positions, you make a salary and your salary is not going to wax or wane depending on whether Jim on the internet or Sally on the internet thinks you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas authors and other similar performing artists, what how much money we make every month, every quarter, every year is actually in a very real and tangible way 
dependent on a jury of our peers, a jury of our public peers, a jury of not our peers, because it's not even fellow writers or publishers. It is just people who pick up our books and read them. And you know how it goes. The kind of the old adage that people who love your work will typically not say anything about it, right? They'll they'll say it to themselves, but people who hate your work, if they have one bad experience with it, they're going to go online and they're going to slam it. it. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to blast it. So I really felt as though that, that woman who wrote that short story, or I guess it was more of an essay, it was more of an essay, kind of poking fun at herself and all authors everywhere. She kind of just missed the point of the fact that Authors in particular, we really do actually have to publicly plead with people to review our books. Especially because, to to jump off from something that you said, it's especially true that you have to beg people for reviews because most people don't review if they love it Mm -hmm. or even if they like it. They're, they're not going to review it. And this is true. I mean, this is true for, I think, I've, I've heard people talk about this on, for, for other, I'm talking specifically now on Amazon, but for other Amazon products, people will talk about that too. How people will only review if they don't like it. It's harder to get positive reviews, but that's, but that carries over to books. Yeah. And yeah, it's hard to get people to review in general, but even more positive reviews. If you review a chair you don't like, you know, if you buy a chair off of Amazon, leg breaks. You go on Amazon, you're likely to go on Amazon and write a negative review and maybe even ask for, you know, a refund. And you'd be justified in doing that. But chances are you're not buying a chair from the actual person who right. carved the chair. You know, you're not bu- you didn't buy it from Ron Swanson who <laughs> carved the chair by hand and personally no posted it, you know, <laughs> to, to Amazon to sell it. But if you buy a book from an author you decide that you don't like it, which is your prerogative, chances are, again, you're more likely to go and review it if you don't like it than if you do. Mm-hmm. But if you go, and, and reviews are, are wildly subjective too. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this can be frustrating for, for authors, is the, the subjectivity of reviews. So some people think, well, I liked this book. I'm going to give it three stars. But to many people, a three-star review is like, wow, that person really didn't like that book. Right. (laughs) Why would that person have only rated it three stars? And there's no Mm -hmm. way to control that. And oftentimes authors themselves, they see a three-star review and they're like, oh my goodness, this person hated my book. There's no way to control that. And honestly, any review is is good. It's good to get a good review. It's bad to get just a rating with, with no review if it's negative. If it's negative. If you see a review, so so if you go on, on and you review something that is negative, there's a, not just a high probability, it is definitely always, if you do a negative review, it is definitely always going to hurt the author mm-hmm. directly. Because the you are reviewing something that was created by a specific person. It was not mm-hmm. machine created you know, it came out of the brain and the heart of a specific person. So it's always important if you really love a book to go on and leave a brief review. And I'm talking about Mm -hmm. writing, you know, paragraphs. I hear that a lot from people, you know, well, I just don't know what to say. I'm not good with words. Well, you don't have to write paragraphs. You can just write one sentence. I loved this book. Or you could write or you could write bullet points. Yeah, or bullet points. Great for kids. Doesn't need to be fancy. Yeah. <laughs> great for kids, great for families. Something like that. You know, just just anything 
to express your your love for a book. And if you didn't like it, you can write, you can leave negative reviews as well, but it's always good to express what you didn't like about Why? a book. Yes, because as a reviewer or as a book reader, I will say when I get on to go look at a book, I sometimes I'll go look at the negative reviews just because I want to know why did this person rate this negatively. And sometimes... It's sort of like another one person, one man's trash is another is another man's treasure, right? I'll say, well, they didn't like this book for this reason, but I love that trope, or I love that whatever it is. So that this, it'll probably work for me. But but yeah, I think if you if you give a negative review, you gotta tell, you gotta say why. You got it's just not only is it is it helpful for other readers, but it's helpful for. I think the author to to understand I don't know the reasons like it's just a negative a negative star rating without any review is frustrating because you're like well I don't understand why this person didn't like the book and no no one else is going to understand it either. Well sometimes people rate books or review books negatively or rate books negatively for reasons that are entirely outside of the author's control. Mhm totally. I've seen that you know someone say well I loved this story but the book arrived in, in packaging that was inadequate, and so the cover was bent. One star. Yeah, yeah. Or like the pages fell out of the book yeah. or something Pages like that. fell out of the book. The glue filled and the pages fell out of the book. One star. But other than that, I loved it. Right. But, and again, that was someone who was dissatisfied with the quality of a product that was produced by whoever was the printer. Mm-hmm. But the author succeeded in telling a fabulous story and doing what they did. But see, the thing is, again, reviews always come back on the the person who wrote the story. So if you just went on and, and left a star, like maybe this person just left a, a star rating, just, you know, just because on Amazon you can just do star ratings. So maybe that person was just mad that their product fell apart. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, so they just left a star rating. Well, someone who's searching for that book by this author, maybe someone got the book recommended to them. So they go on Amazon to see what the rating average is. Because people do that. You know, and I know Mm -hmm. we've got listeners here. I'm sure we have listeners who are like, oh, yeah. The average, and here's another thing, especially if the book doesn't have many reviews. Yes. The whole average, this is just simple math, right? (laughs) One bad star rating can bring the average down, even if the rest of the stars for that book were four or five. Right. One, two, or three star rating can pull it down. Right. Not everybody who is looking to buy a book is all that discerning. They might just look at the average and go, oh, ugh, has a, you know, 4.2 average. I only read 4.8 or above or something like that. And I'm being a little silly about that. But people can be like that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're discerning with our, our money, our purchases, or they might go through it and see that it has a one star rating. And why does this have a one star rating? There's no review attached to it. Well, the one-star rating may have been as simple as the person was dissatisfied with the packaging that the book was shipped in. If people would would just go ahead and, and write why they're giving the rating. Or, or, again, it could be a matter of, I don't like, like you mentioned, tropes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like the trope of enemies to lovers. That annoys me. Two stars. Well, some mm-hmm. other people might love the trope of enemies to lovers. And so mm-hmm. that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be an issue for them. That kind of helps smooth over some of the subjectivity of star ratings and things of that sort. But again, also just going out there and being proactive about um, reviewing the books that 
um, you love helps to also bring up the average rating numbers and reviews so that if you're uh, your, your favorite author or you know this author of this book you just read gets a gets review bombed or rating bombed by someone who's just got an issue with the book or not even with the book, just with the, was the way it was packaged, then it doesn't really impact them so much. Yeah. Going off of something that I think you said a little bit before, independent publishers and also, so this is independent publishers and also uh, independent authors often don't have the ratings that some of the big five published books do. Mm-hmm. And so every review matters because every review, and this is something I learned from you, Karen, so you can mm-hmm. speak to this more, but every review helps to boost that book in Amazon's rankings. Yeah. And then the, the more reviews it has, the more it will show up in Amazon's search engine right. as well. Right. And, it, you know, people are always kind of arguing about this. It used to be kind of a hard and fast number. Like once you hit 50 reviews, then Amazon, you know, bumps it up in the algorithm and once it hits 70, 75, then it bumps it again. Once it hits 100, then it bumps it even more. But Amazon is always working on how they do their algorithms and mm-hmm. we're working on um, kind of boosting the look of our book's pages to make them more appealing. Oh, yeah. Smart. I don't have it in front I of me. I can't think of the term for it, but yeah. you, there are many things you can do to make your books more appealing. More attractive. Or appealing, more attractive yeah. to, oh, like A-plus content. A-plus content. Yeah. That's right on um to amazon's algorithms uh so that they show up better in search engine like like for seo and for search uh, when people search for you know keywords and whatnot boring stuff but stuff that we have to look into and that we Mm -hmm. are constantly working on as we're looking at ways to better market Alice nest books but one of the things that is very important is the number of reviews, and not just the number of reviews, but the quality of reviews as well. Mm-hmm. Because we are a small publisher, we don't have the the money, you know, just put it out there, we don't have the money to send out, you know, hundreds and thousands of advanced reader copies every mm-hmm. time we publish a book. We send out some, but we don't have, you know, the funds to just flood the social media influencers with so many copies that the book is bound to, you know, show up all over the internet, whether it's any good or not. Of course, we think all Alice Ness books are good. But, you know, point being, though, when you see a book that has just released from a major publisher and it has, you know, immediately 100 reviews, 200 reviews, that is the work of targeted marketing, Mm-hmm. efforts and, and effective targeted marketing efforts and that kind of also then has a kickback effect is that that book then shows up more often in Amazon search results and it gets it gets suggested to people and then it it just kind of has this this it's like an engine like you wind it up and then it just keeps going right so yeah. then people just see it more and then they they hear it talked about more and then they see it more and it's this constant like visibility effect and mm-hmm. reviews are a huge part of that yeah and that goes uh, that goes into social media as well yeah. which we wanted to touch on too because there are one of the things you see on social media that that's hard for a small independent publisher like us or independent authors too is that there are these big splashy books 
we've mentioned several times on this podcast about big splashy debuts. Big, but they're not always these books aren't always debuts, but they're big splashy books, and you start to see them all over. And then everyone wants to get in on that book. They become very popular very quickly, mm-hmm. and generally it takes a lot of money and influence to do that. So it's often the big publishers that will have those big debuts that gain popularity, and then you'll read that book sometimes later, and you'll be like. Why was this so popular? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because, I have no idea why it yeah. was so trendy. Because the publisher decided that it was going to be popular. Mm-hmm. And again, yes. it's a it's a very targeted marketing effort. And everybody, so speaking of reviews, so sometimes, often, people like to get their book reviews on social media rather than mm-hmm. Amazon. Because you think to yourself, ugh. Amazon, you know, the big evil company. I don't trust them and I don't really want to go over to them to leave Amazon reviews. So I want to go and get my reviews over on social media. Come on, guys. As if social media, as if Instagram, Facebook, all the rest are not also giant companies. But, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I mean, people are there the same way that they're all over on Amazon, but it's okay. Whatever. So you go over to social media, you go over to Instagram, and you see you know, oh, here's my my favorite bookstagrammer, right? So someone who talks about books on Instagram. And that's that's her whole platform. And it's it's usually women, so we'll just we'll just say her. So it's her whole platform. And she she just reviews books. And I love her. I trust her book reviews. Oh, and she's talking about this book. On her oh, here's my other favorite bookstagrammer. And she's talking about this book too. Mm-hmm. And this girl is also talking about this book. Like, oh my goodness, everybody's talking about this book. It must be. Amazing. But in actuality, what is going on? The publisher has sent out a number of advanced reader copies, Mm -hmm. ARCs or ARCs, depending on what you want to call them. And they have targeted, because they'll send out free advanced reader copies to accounts of a certain size. Katie, you have received a number of advanced, free advanced reader copies. I have, and it was it was only after, but it was really only I after after I hit I think about five thousand copies, yeah, or f- sorry, five thousand followers when they would start to send. So they, yeah, you have to reach a threshold, and then you'll start getting, and that's why that's exactly why you get the phenomenon that Karen is talking about. Yeah, but you were you were a trusted voice. You were a trusted voice. You had good followers. You had good engagement on your posts as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Katie can verify exactly what I'm saying is you kind of reach a threshold if you're a reviewer and then you kind of start getting boxes. Mm-hmm. This happens over on TikTok as well, BookTok community. And then these posts, they just kind of get boosted in the algorithms too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you pay any sort of attention to these sort of bookstagrammer or BookTok communities, you know, you may think to yourself, oh, I organically found this person and they just organically became my favorite book reviewer. Uh, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but probably not. Okay, like the algorithms, the computer, the AI is playing a really um, targeted, you know, technical, it's doing its job it's doing very its well. Job. Like they figured out who you are, they know what sort of books you like to read, they have funneled you to the right people. And then the major publishing houses who want to get the exact sort of book that you like to read into your hands is also then funneling books into those people's hands for free, which is wonderful for them. But then it also makes these book reviewers part of the machine. You know, they are then just basically unpaid advertisers because it is Mm -hmm, unpaid. Totally. Totally Mm -hmm. unpaid. 
unpaid advertisers of these books, but then their job kind of also becomes like, you know, churn out, like promote the book. So even if you, if the, even if these reviewers read the book and don't particularly like it, even if they're talking about like, well, this is what I liked about it and this is what I didn't like about it, they're still standing there in front of the camera for 30 seconds to a minute, 30 seconds, showing that book, promoting it. Right. Putting it in front of people's eyes. Yeah. This is another thing. I mean, this is, this is I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but this is another reason why the book world is so different from any other industry. Because if you look at, if you look at any other influencers from, from any other corner of Instagram, like design influencers or fashion influencers, mm-hmm. they're not free labor. They get paid. Yeah. They get paid, but for whatever reason, and every once in a while on Instagram, the bookstagrammers will rise up and be like, what we're, what we're doing, what we're participating in isn't fair. We're not getting paid for our work. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing has ever changed, partly because the book industry just doesn't have a lot of money. They don't have the resources to pay all the influencers that they send books to. And they just won't. And they won't because they'll find other people who will take free books. Yeah, because review. people love to read. People love to read. So if you offer free books to people, you know, they'll take them. And they'll Mm -hmm. talk about them online because people love to read and talk about it online. So what what does this have to do with reviews? You think to yourself, well, I trust all of these people for their book reviews. And it doesn't mean that they're not trustworthy book reviewers. That is not what I'm saying. You know, obviously Katie is a trustworthy book reviewer and has reviewed wonderful, fabulous books over the years. But also, there is an industry to the Bookstagram and TikTok communities and so if these are, if that's your only funnel for how am I finding my books, then you need to know that that funnel is is also tainted by the fact that these Bookstagram reviewers and TikTok BookTok reviewers are essentially advertisers for primarily the big five book industry. And they have, a, they have brands to maintain. And mm-hmm. so if they stop pushing these books, they stop getting free books and they fall off the radar. And Katie has experienced this as well. I hope you don't don't mind me saying that. (laughs) No, that's fine. (laughs) But I've also seen lots of other bookstagrammers and book talk influencers talk about that, just the the need and how how it almost becomes like this need, like this addiction to just keep going and got to make more videos, got to make more videos, got to make more videos and like how exhausting it is. Oh, it's so exhausting. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I I don't do it anymore because it's it was it was exhausting because yeah. it's always on the forefront of your mind. You got to keep up with the trends. You got to keep up with the with the books. You have to read the books. You have to you have to be you have to be so engaged. You have to think really strategically. And yeah, it gets it gets to the point where it becomes unmanageable if you have other things that are pressing. Right. Yeah. And. It is a total kind of popularity, like it's an algorithm, it's an other algorithmic driven thing too. And he's real popularity. That's not really right. But like, like Katie, do you get anywhere near the engagement that you used to get on Bookstagram when you promote Owl's Nest books? No, never. So that's the other thing is if you, you know, so Katie, who, you know, used to have this enormous following and, and, and people do trust her. Mm-hmm. to you know for her book reviews or like we have and we have we've had lots of conversations at Owl's Nest like how do we reach these big you know bookstagram influencers how do we get our books our independently published books into the hands of influencers oh if we could just 
crack the influencer crowd, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter. We can get our books, our independently published books into the hands of an influencer who has, you know, millions of followers. It really will not matter because our books will never be promoted by the algorithms because right. the algorithms only promote the traditionally published books. The, the cards are stacked against us, sort of. I mean, I, I, it's just the way it is. And I mean, yeah, on my account, um, when I was more active, I, I would, when I would post something that was about a traditionally published books, I, book, I would still get really good engagement, but then I would post something about Owl's Nest and it would just completely fall off. I mean, it just bombed. It just does not get the engagement. If there were a hundred other people talking about that book, then it would probably do, the algorithm would pick up on it, but they're just, we just don't have the reach on, yeah. so, on social media. Because I think people need to remember, well, people need to understand that So, uh, Instagram is still a business. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook, it's still a business. They want people, they, they, they want to put ads on trending topics. They love the bookstagram crowd as long as the bookstagram crowd is promoting you know the next hot book from penguin random house because then you've got thousands of people talking about this one thing and they can go and you know slap on this big flashy ad and then they're they're generating ad revenue but they are not going to push people to go and see a non-trending topic and so even even a big you know major in because we have gotten our books into the hands of some influencers and they'll post about it and it just goes wah, wah, just yep. like flop. Falls into the void. Right. We love when our general readership posts about our books, posts reviews on Instagram. I was going to say, so, you know, let's do a little call to action here. If you're reading our books and you're loving them, please do talk about them on social media. Mm-hmm. We're we not saying that it's not a good thing to talk about. It. It's a great thing still to talk about it on social media. Right. Because the more people that do, the better it is. The more pe- uh, yeah, exactly. More talk, more chatter about Owl's Nest books. Please. But if you are only looking to your favorite Instagram or, or TikTok influencer to get your book reviews and you're like, well, I never see them talking about, you know, Owl's Nest or whatever, or you're thinking to yourself, boy, I don't see enough chatter about Owl's Nest on social media. Well, that also doesn't mean that there isn't chatter about Owl's Nest. It just means that the algorithm isn't pushing it to you. And so you may have to go searching for it. And it's also why reviewing on other platforms is really important. Right. Yeah, so review review on Goodreads, review on Amazon, review on Storygraph if you have a Storygraph account, uh, review on your blog or, you know, wherever else you do reviews. There's other book sites, but those are the most popular. Yeah. It's actually really, that's part of why it is so important that, like, yes, talk about it on social media. Like, talk about it on social media, Share your reviews on social media, but please put those permanent reviews on mm-hmm. Amazon, Goodreads, Storygraph. Storygraph is new, but it is gaining in popularity. It's yeah, a couple it's years. Like two years old. It's really important, or or your blog, exactly. It's mm-hmm. really important to kind of have those those pins out there on the internet that are permanent places that people can can go back to, or mm-hmm. that when they Google, it actually comes up. Because, you know, what happens on social media is, is kind of, it just blows by. Yeah, it's a flash in the pan. But again, do post. <laughs> Still, I mean, the thing is, the thing, the nice thing about um, social media is that that's how the word gets out about yeah. books. Talking about the books, sometimes I think even talking in stories about the books is just as important as putting it in your feed. Because, you know, I don't, 
I, I don't know how other people engage with um, Instagram these days, but I end up watching more stories than I do scrolling the feed. So yeah, talk about it in stories. That's the chatter that we're talking about. And the more people that do that, the more it helps us. And everyone's different because stories annoy me and I only look at the feed. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm always like, the story is too fast. Slow down. I mean, I look at them I just, I just want, I just want to know what people are doing day to day. <laughs> I think the feed is like a work of art. Like, I like how people craft them. I, I mean, I still engage with the feed, but I spend, I think I spend more time in stories. Please let us know if you have any questions about reviews. Yes. This is a passionate plea to review Owl's Nest books, but also mm-hmm. hopefully it was informative. Just gives you a little bit, we hope, I hope this gives you a little bit more compassion for that author friend of yours who is always asking you to review their books, mm-hmm. review their books, review their books. Hopefully that helps you to not roll your eyes at them. Maybe a reminder to go out there and review that book. Review the books. Review, review all the books you're reading. Yeah. All of them. With that, uh, we have a lot of people to thank for making Owl's Nest, the podcast, a reality. We want to thank Ali Castaldo, who is our wonderful producer, Wilder Atkins, who wrote and performed the, the intro and outro music. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl's Nest, the podcast. Until next time. Hoot hoot.